Good evening. This is Apostle Corey Douglas with Zion Ministries in Harvest, Alabama, welcoming you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to pick up our study on the book of Romans and Romans chapter number 3, verse number 24, Romans chapter number 3, that is verse 24. And the text reads, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And we established that being is a state of existence, present tense. When you see being, you should think present tense. Okay. Justified was to render just or to render innocent. Okay. Render means you take something that was in one state and you bring it into another state. So if something is rendered, there's a, a degree of uh, in drafting, we would call that manipulation, but in a Christian sense, uh, we would just say a altering from one state unto the next. And so in context, those who were morally and legally guilty would be altered in condition and state to be now innocent, just, and righteous. Remember the definition number two that we discussed in our previous session. This restoration to innocence and just and righteous righteousness is not something that's far-fetched. It was the original way that God had created you and I to carry ourselves in the earth. And so the definition was, such as he ought to be, okay? So to be justified is to be such as we ought to be in right standing with God, in purity, morality, holiness, and in obedience to the expectations of the God of heaven and earth, okay? So it says being justified freely, Okay. being rendered innocent or being accredited or made just as we ought to be in the sight of God who is the judge of all. And this altering or this transformation and transitioning comes freely, okay, freely. As we have built up to Romans 3.24, we're still thinking about two people groups, Jews and Gentiles, those who were given a covenant versus those who later came into the covenant uh, through uh, the rejection of the Jews or the disobedience of some. So we're still talking about both Jew and Gentile being justified freely because the Jews sought to be justified through a system of works, and the Gentiles had no concept of justification altogether according to God's knowledge, because um, they were not giving uh, the covenant. The covenant was given to Israel, and so they had no knowledge. They had not the knowledge of God correctly until the gospel came. Okay. So let's deal with this word freely. And if you're listening intentively, I want you to just speak out loud freely. Again, freely. 
this is an important pivotal word to understanding the entire, I would say, truth that the Apostle Paul is using to deal with arguments, to deal with doctrines, patterns of thinking that were in the Jewish people and in the and also in some Gentile comers, but primarily in the Jewish people who were converting out of Judaism and were following the Christian faith according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that transition out of one belief system into another belief system, it's easy to still have residue or to carry on old ways of thinking that may not be compatible, in this case, with the New Covenant. So freely, this word means to, or it, it's, I'll share this definition. It simply means gratuitously. Okay. And I want you to think about gratuity. And when you think about this word gratuity, think about a restaurant. Think about going to your favorite restaurant. And after after you get served by you know the server or the waiter it's customary to to leave a gratuity to leave a tip okay and you get and so when it comes to the earth we we typically we live we leave tips or we show gratuity gratitude a way to say thank you for serving me or for working for me. We do this based upon how how well the service, the quality of service that you and I have received. You know. In the natural mind we say, well if I had a good waiter, a good server, then I tip well. If I had poor or not so good service, then I'll tip a little bit, but I'm not gonna really go out of the way. And then you have some people, regardless of whether um, you tip well or the, whether you serve well or not, they're, they're going to tip you the same anyway because you serve them. Okay? So when we think about gratuity, oftentimes we talk about, well, I mean, it, in our mind we think about giving something, someone, something for something that they did for us, giving them something to say thank you. Okay? But the, this word right here is totally different because when the Bible says being justified freely, the meaning is a little different. It's saying that we were basically tipped by Jesus or by God the Father, and we hadn't done anything for him at all. Now, I want you to go back to the restaurant. This would just be like tipping a server a million dollars who didn't even serve your table, who was not even doing anything to They didn't bring you drinks. They didn't bring you any rolls. They didn't bring you anything. They were not even at your table. They didn't do anything for you. And yet you chose to tip them a million dollars. Okay? And I'm just using that to kind of paint a picture here. Another word for definition, uh, another definition for freely is without a cause. So 
it's it's like heaven has said thank you to us through his son and has given us the world and has tipped us tremendously and we didn't even do anything to work for to earn it or deserve it as a matter of fact everything that we did was exemplify poor and miserable service we were rude to the waiter we were belligerent okay we were uh just out of the way you know disrespectful uh disobedient disorderly loud boastful basically in and of ourselves we should have been kicked out of the restaurant altogether in ban and not allowed to come back and yet here comes you know if if, if you think about the analogy here it it's here comes God and what he does is that he he deals with us he deals with us as if we have just went it out of out of our way to to just please him you know he he gives it to us freely okay now I want you to think about this as well because if you tip a person that didn't serve your table you're not tipping them you're not sure giving gratuity and you're not doing it because of what they did you're doing it because of who you are and what you value and how you value people altogether and so when the Bible says being justified freely I want you to think about this statement right here Jesus said that there's none good but the father God is gracious toward us because of who he is and not because of what we've done God is good toward us because of who he is and not because we deserve the gratuity or the tip God is gracious to you and I and gives us untold goodness and love without a cause or without a reason based upon our actions to or our failure to do certain things God is good because goodness is his nature and it's just who he is and so when you think about being rendered innocent he gives us the invitation through Jesus Christ to be rendered innocent freely okay or without a cause or to experience gratuity on a level that you and I can barely understand or imagine it's going to take us eternity to really understand and the grasp how much God loves us okay and to understand his nature of goodness but he gives it to us freely without a cause because God is good <laughs> and this is the thing that human nature struggles with because we're so used to having to work for this or that or earn this or that or toil for this and that and slave for this and that that when God introduces uh, the expression of grace being stuck in that old pattern of receiving things is easy to stumble there 
into frustrated if we're not careful. So 24 says being justified freely by his charis or his goodness, his unmerited favor, his undeserved or unearned favor, goodness, fondness. Through the redemption, I want you to say this with me, through the redemption. Now, this word redemption means the freeing or the liberation or, you know, the, you know, the, the, the setting free that has been secured by the payment of a ransom. So it is, it is the freedom, it is the authority to set one free, to release them from prison or from bondage that was legally purchased because someone paid a ransom for those who were captive. Okay? Everybody knows what a ransom is. It is a booty. It's a spoil. It's a retribution. It is a, it's when you purchase something. Um, and so redemption means the act or the ransom in full. The act or a ransom that is paid in full, not partially. Not 60, 70, 80%, but the entire amount that is necessary to bring freedom has been paid in full. Now, this, this word redemption connects with justification because only after one has been redeemed okay, can the new owner, for lack of better words, rendered them innocent or not guilty and justified them. And so redemption is so important because without redemption, there can be no justification. There can be no being justified or being rendered innocent and not guilty without someone paying the price or paying the price for the wages of sin, which is death. And we know that our ransom is Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, who gave his life for you and I. And his life was a payment okay, to redeem us or to purchase us back okay, so that God the Father could legally, without violating his righteousness in the courts of heaven, liberate us. Okay or justify us and render us innocent and not guilty, okay? And so as we move on down, it says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption, the release secured by the payment of a ransom, the deliverance or the setting free, okay? Through the redemption, that is in Christ Jesus. And this is why it's so important. If you notice that every good thing that you and I receive, you will find that the New Testament scriptures refer to as being in Christ Jesus. This is why fellowship with the Holy Spirit is so important. Because when you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, 
he leads you into the possession of those things that are already yours in Christ Jesus. Notice what I said, he leads you into the possession. Christ Jesus is like a field of hidden treasures. But once you get in that field, those treasures are buried in him. Okay? Paul said in the book of Colossians that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, hidden, underground, underground. And so Christ Jesus is the field. But in Christ Jesus, it takes fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit so that he can take you on a treasure hunt inside of the sun to unearth all of the treasures that have already been given to you as a result of possessing the field or as a result of being in Christ Jesus. Okay? Consequently, a person can give their life to the Lord and be born again and be rich because they possess the field but live a life of complete poverty, spirit, soul, body, naturally, emotionally, physically, psychologically, because they never partner with the Holy Spirit to discover the treasures that are hidden in the sun or in the field. Okay? All right. Moving on that. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, Verse 25 says, whom God has set forth. This is so powerful. Because when it says whom God has set forth, it is referring to God the Father, not God the Son. So when you read that, I want you to read it with the mentality, with the understanding, whom God the Father has set forth. Because when you look at the end of verse 24, you see a colon, which means that this is the continuation of verse number 25 is a continuation of verse number 24. You don't see a period at the end of 24. So who did God set for? Whom is a person? W-H-O-M. And so it's saying that the Father set forth a person. Okay? This word set forth means to expose to view or to exhibit oneself or to propose to or to set forth to be looked at. Now ask yourself, when that God the Father set forth the Son to be looked at before the entire world, was it not at the cross, at Mount Calvary, on Gagato's Hill? Okay. Even Pilate told the Jews, Behold your king, right before the Greeks came to Peter and they said, we would see Jesus. And so when Jesus was crucified and suspended and hung between heaven and earth on Golgotha's hill, the place of skulls, in that, God the Father was exhibiting his son before all of creation, okay? Jew, Gentile, angels, demons, okay? He exhibited him. He set him forth to be looked at, bloody, mangled, whipped, scorned, despised, speed of thought, beaten, uh, pierced, you know, he exhibited. The Bible says, Isaiah said that, that when we see him, there was no form of visage that we would desire him. And so the scripture is clear that 
they treated our Savior very bad, but it was ordained by the Father because he was paying the price. And the Father was exhibiting him and setting him forth as the ransom, as the Lamb of God, okay, as the, as we'll learn, the perpetuation, what that means, but as the spoil that was necessary, the booty, the B-O-O-T-Y, the, you know, the, the ransom that alone was worth or had the premium to purchase you and I back uh, from the power of sin and also from the eternal damnation. And so the Father set forth the Son, whom God had set forth to be a perpetuation. Say that word, perpetuation. Now, the word perpetuation is a peculiar word, and this is what it means. It means, well, let me read this before I get into that definition as it relates to perpetuation. I want you to think about a perpetuation being an appeasement of divine wrath by a sacrificial offering. In other words, appeasement means if somebody is angry, you calm them down by giving them something, okay? For parents, okay? Your child is crying, ah, 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 and they're kicking and stumping and doing all that stuff, you know? And you may calm them down by giving them a pacifier, calm them down by giving them a bottle. You may appease their fit by giving them something that satisfies at that moment, okay? Well, the Bible is, is basically saying that because God is holy, he is angry, and he is by nature wrathful against sin, okay? And so, you know, for lack of better words, God has been holding back his anger against sin because of those of us who are created in his likeness and in his image that we have become born in it. And so... We'll, we'll read later as we go on and as we understand it, so I won't get you know, too far, but I just want you to understand capitulation. We're going to go deeper into that statement that I just made. But again, perpetuation is the appeasement of divine being God. He is divinity. Anger or wrath that comes from him. It's when it's what was necessary to take away God's anger from man, okay? Jesus was necessary, what he went through, to appease the anger of God, okay? Now, as we go on, I want you to think about another definition of this word, perpetuation, it also means an atoning victim. An atoning victim. Say that out loud. An atoning victim. So Jesus Christ was a victim, praise God, of the righteous judgment of God. He was a victim of the wrath 
of the eternal judge of all, who is God the Father, he who sits upon the throne. He was not an unwilling victim. He was a willing victim. He was a victim that said, not my will, but your will be done. Father. Okay. And so, but he was a victim because he was paying the penalty, listen, for sins that he did not commit. A victim of someone that suffers who is innocent, okay, who, who is harmed without a just cause, who has done wrong even though they have done no wrong. Okay. And I want you to keep this in mind. Victims, true victims, are always compensated in the court of law. They're always compensated for the injury, the harm, the hurt, and what they have suffered through the hands of a tyrant or an oppressor. So again, perpetuation is an atoning victim. So our Lord Jesus Christ, even though he existed with the Father before the world was, when he chose to become a man, he came into the earth to be an atoning victim okay, for us. Okay. Now, let's go deeper. Let's look at the word atonement. And let's understand what that means. An atonement is a reparation for an offense or injury or its satisfaction. Okay? It's when you settle out in court okay, for something. It's when you owe something and, and you, you, we hear these terms and, and these big companies, uh, they, they, they have a legal case, but then you hear something that says, well, they settle out in the court of law. Okay. The settling out is to say, okay, that happened to me, but if you give me this, I'll be satisfied. Okay. And so Jesus became an atoning victim for the purpose of receiving reparations. Now, get this. The word reparation, R-E-P-A-R-A-T-I-O-N, Plural, S, is the act or process of restoring or returning someone or something to the country of origin, allegiance, or citizenship. Again, it is the process of restoring or returning someone, something, to the country of origin, allegiance, or citizenship. Sounds like the ministry of reconciliation to me. God was in Christ Jesus, okay, reconciling the world back, 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 which means that we had to be with him at one time before if he's reconciling the world back unto himself, back, restore, returning someone, okay? And this is so beautiful because when we read New Testament doctrine, the Apostle Paul makes it clear in the book of Ephesians that now our citizenship is in heaven. 
that we are born from above, that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. This is because of reparations that were given to Jesus Christ. And so the entire purpose of this atoning victim was to be a reparation, was to be an avenue, a vehicle, a toddle of restoration or reconciliation for you and I so that you and I can be returned back to paradise, to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and that our allegiance could once again be to the God of heaven instead of the God of this world, and that we could be legal citizens of the kingdom that exists in heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, instead of being a slave to the power of darkness and subject to the God of this world system. So God's own son was set forth by him publicly before us all to be an atoning victim for our sins. Okay? Now, as we move on down in understanding perpetuation, remember, whom God had set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in his blood to public exhibit for the purpose of becoming a ransom for us. He was set for to restore us back. Okay, and when I say restore us back, we're talking about humanity and the original man, Adam, and Eve, and what God had intended for all of the human race through the first man, Adam, and also through Eve, when God looks at, at us, he doesn't see uh, so much as, you know, different nations. He sees man who is created in his likeness and in his image. And so his original intent was to bring us all back. But there was a price that had to be paid. God bless you. Thank you for your time. I pray that the study brought understanding, life, and encouragement and leads you closer to Christ. If it be God's will, we will continue this Friday, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Grace and peace be with you in Jesus' name.